Don't play scared. Don't be worried about what can go wrong. Just play free. Just sling that football. Jeff, you sounded like a you sounded like his sports psychologist right there. Like I was seriously. Really, like, you motivated me. Like just go out and be free and just go out and sling that football, man. Just go out and be free. Hey, hopefully you didn't turn that game off between Montreal and Winnipeg last week because if you did, you would have missed an incredible Alouette's comeback and you would have missed all kinds of fantasy points. That was a high-scoring affair, and it's how we're kicking things off on the Week 15 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to it, CFL Fantasy Podcast, presented by Leo Vegas. Visit cflfantasy.tsn.ca, where you can be the GM of your team and potentially win yourself some pretty cool prizes. In fact, the grand prize is a trip for Calgary, for Grey Cup weekend, we got tickets to the game, and we've got a unique championship ring for you. All of that for our overall winner at the end of the year. There's a lot to talk about this week. The CFL's leading rusher is back. All kinds of uncertainty at quarterback in both Edmonton and Ottawa. James Franklin and Matthew Schiltz are ready to start games. And the BC Lions are in search of a third straight win all of a sudden. All that and more. My name is Pat Steinberg alongside Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. And Jeff, that was a heck of a game in Montreal over the weekend. That's, uh, that's why we say in the CFL, what is it? What's the line? No lead is safe. No lead is safe in the CFL. You can't leave early. Those, those folks in Montreal that went home early, man, what do you say? What do you say to people? Oh yeah, I was at the uh, I was at the Alouettes game. Oh yeah, what a great game! I didn't see the ending. Ah, oh, come on! I think what you say is you lie. I think you just lie. At that I guess point. so. I guess so. I mean, that's yeah. Nobody's admitting to that because you're not. Yeah, you're not rebounding from that as a sports fan. That's tough. Don't leave the game early. Montreal Alouettes, Winnipeg Blue Bombers combining for 75 points uh, for the Alouettes, the biggest comeback in franchise history from 24 points down. The biggest in CFL history is 27 points down. Uh, That one goes quite a ways back in the record book. Some more newsworthy items from this game. William Stanback touching the football just seven times. So that was, you think, a lot of points on the table. If you had William Stanback, though, uh, and you didn't watch, you checked the box score after you're going, whoop. What? What just happened? Uh, The quarterbacks combining for almost 80 points, 79 points for Vernon Adams Jr. and Chris Strebler. And uh, aside from Andrew Harris also going over the 20-point mark, there were a couple of receivers with big games as Jake Wieneke, uh, Devere Posey, and even Chris Matthews with his two touchdowns having really nice games. A lot going on in that game from a fantasy perspective. Uh, The game of the year probably up to this point, although there have been some good ones. Where do we start? I, Hannah, where, where do we start with this one? Because there's, there's so much to dive into. Uh, I, I'm so fired up to talk about this game and what this means from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, you got to start at Strebler, right? Because he has back-to-back 30-point weeks, and he pretty much almost single-handedly made my week. For $8,000 to get 35 points, you don't see value like that in this game very often. You normally have to pay ten, twelve thousand dollars for that. So the fact that he's still in the eight thousand ish dollar range, he's still under nine thousand, that's pretty incredible to me. When I watched that game, 
I was sitting there thinking to myself, knowing that most of my picks for last week didn't really pan out. I sat there thinking to myself, where where does Chris Streveler rank among fantasy quarterbacks in our game right now? Because you watch what he's capable of doing on a weekly basis. He may not be the pure, uh, the, the most pure passer. He may not be the CFL's best all-round quarterback, but when it comes to fantasy, when you're talking about rushing yards, when you're talking about his ability to turn uh, a five-yard gain into maybe a 20-25 yard touchdown, the amount of times that they'll just give him keepers inside the 10 or inside the 20, like he has to be knocking on the door right now to not just being the, the number one fantasy quarterback, but right now maybe one of the number one CFL fantasy players going because and and regardless of the salary like the guy just has the ability to have 25 30 35 point weeks every single week and yeah every guy is going to have a down week or two and you hope you don't catch him on one of those weeks but I don't know how Streveler hasn't crested the top five or six just in terms of the way we look at it in terms of fantasy players overall and definitely one of the top guys that you got to be talking about at his position now Chris Streveler had to have had over 30 points in the first half alone. He went off. I was thinking, this is the quarterback that's going to break the glass ceiling. He's going to have the best game ever for a player in CFL fantasy. I'm thinking, okay, he's going off for 50 points. He cooled off substantially in the second half. And that's Chris Trevler. He's got a little bit of that uh, that Jekyll and Hyde to his game, that, that hot and cold. He'll go back and forth a bit. But... The thing about that Bombers offense is it revolves around him and Andrew Harris. But Chris Trevler is a selfish, selfish man when it comes to fantasy. When we're talking about the points, he doesn't want to share them. He wants them all to himself. Last four games, rushing attempts. I'll read them off. 14, 11, 11, and then against Montreal, 9. Three of those nine rushing attempts, by the way, going for touchdowns. So Chris Strevler, he is the Bombers offense from a fantasy perspective right now. Even if we're talking about Andrew Harris, who we'll touch on in a bit, uh, every single thing goes through him. He doesn't have to do a lot through the air. If you're giving me a quarterback that's double-digit rushing attempts and who's getting all those goal line carries, and he runs like a bull, I mean, tackling this guy, he, he carries defenders. He's unique. Because it's not often you think quarterback in the CFL, uh, you think of those spectacular guys that go 300 plus yards per game and and that's what you're looking for. He's not that. Yet, I think at his current salary, you're talking about the most effective quarterback in fantasy right now. Well, and you mention it later in the rundown, but I want to bring it up now because it's applicable. You write, is this kind of running sustainable or are people going to stop him from running soon? And I just, I don't think it's possible. That run that he had in Winnipeg in the Banjo Bowl, where he ran through like eight guys and Willie Jefferson's on the sideline just laughing, saying he's the best running back in the league. But he also picks up points throwing. I, I don't think you can stop him. I, I think I'm rolling with him. For the foreseeable future, he was the first guy I dropped in my lineup this week. And when you run when you run down those those rushing totals, Jeff, like I can't not I can't tell you that this is going to be unsustainable. Rather, I, I I look at it. 14, 11, 11, 9 in terms of rushing attempts, and the guy is picking up touchdowns along the way. 
at least one touchdown in all four of his last starts. Like, yeah, maybe this isn't sustainable uh, when it comes to the Bombers winning a great cup. Maybe that's not the best way for them to win a great cup. But in terms of getting the most out of Streveler, like you're not going to force him into something that he's not. You might as well play to his strengths. You might as well continuing allowing him to do what he does best. And the way that they're using him right now, that's the way to use him best. So while he's the starter until Matt Nichols come back, comes back, whenever that's going to be, if and when that's even this season, while Streveler's the guy, this is the way they're going to use him. So I would expect to see double-digit rush totals every single week, at least in terms of touches. And if you're getting that from a quarterback and he's also getting you the touchdowns, uh, you can't not think about him as an option every single week. All right, four starts for Chris Streveler. Two and two is a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, uh, averaging 27 points per start. But his last two games, uh, 34 and a half points and 35 and a half points, respectively. He's the hottest quarterback in the league right now in TSN CFL Fantasy. Uh, Vernon Adams, uh, the guy who is suspended, uh, he's got to be the second hottest right now. Won't be playing this week. Uh, that and more coming up. But first, let's look back on that game and some of the other games uh, that happened in week 15 in CFL Fantasy. Well, four of the five highest scorers in week 15 came from that game between Winnipeg and Montreal. Not surprising. Uh, the only other player to crack the top five from outside that game was BC Lions receiver Brian Burnham. He finished with 28 and a half points. It was a tale of two halves for Hamilton. After a dominant 30 minutes, they really got shut down in the second half against Edmonton. Uh, still Braylon Addison over 25 points. Dane Evans hit 24. Brandon Banks 19. And Marcus Tucker had a nice outing with 14. It was a, a tough week for running back. Only Andrew Harris and John White hit the 20-point mark. James Wilder Jr. struggled in Toronto's loss to Calgary. Stan Peters left, uh, lost Kadeem Carey with an injury. And Jackson Bennett, who was a, a big-time popular choice due to his salary last week, was held below four points. And finally, big-time major bust in Week 15. McLeod Bethel-Thompson just one point before being pulled. Dominique Rimes, S.J. Green, Rodney Smith, Jonathan Jennings, Nate Bahar, William Standback, and Brad Sinopoli, all pretty big names, all failed to reach the five-point threshold. Western Willie still on top. I'm getting tired of mentioning this guy's name, but over the 1,600-point plateau, which is over 100 points per week, uh, pretty impressive if you ask me. He had his fourth consecutive 100-point week, and he's gone over that century mark uh, 10 of 15 weeks of the season. I believe I just did that uh, myself for the second time this season. Well, he's done it 10 times. He's in the double digits now of 100-plus points, which is which is, I think, what you aim for. That's the benchmark where you say, I had a pretty good week. Um, he was led by Eric Rogers, Brian Burnham, uh, and John White in Week 15. Uh, two and out, Kara had the best weekly score, 148 points. He had Chris Strebler, uh Andrew Harris, Brian Burnham, and Jake Wynicki. And finally, don't forget, you can compete against me, Pat Steinberg, and Hannah Norman. Uh, those two are pretty ruthless, though. I'm warning you now. They're, they're, uh, they don't hold back. Uh, you can compete against the three of us in the podcast league each and every week. Uh, out of the three of us, we have a new leader. Hannah has moved past Pat hey. into the top spot thanks to a week of 124 points. Um, I know she wants to talk trash about it because she was already bragging about it 
off mic. Uh, but Hannah now with over 1,400 points on the season. Pat coming off an 81-point week. Uh, not great, but still nothing to, nothing to sneeze at. He's over 1,400 on the season as well. Um, about 20 points back of Hannah. And I'm still in the rear, making up a little bit of ground on Pat uh, after a 110-point week uh, for myself. But I've still got a long way to go. Hannah, before I before I throw it over for the flash, do you uh, do you, do you have anything to say for yourself after climbing to the top of the fantasy mountain? To be fair, I wasn't entirely trying to brag. I was just justifying that even if I had to leave a spot blank, I would have because the total still worked out. I'm just saying it was a good week. I need to enjoy them while I have them because they don't happen very often. Yeah, we all had Jackson Bennett in our lineup. I believe the three of us did. And uh, and he burned all of us. But Hannah was able to overcome that uh, for quite a remarkable week. Uh, speaking of Hannah, we'll throw it over to Hannah with the Fantasy Flash. What's going on this week in CFL Fantasy? All right, well, Ticats running back Malik Irons has returned to practice this week, according to TSN's Kyle Mello. With Tyrell Sutton also in the mix, you want to keep an eye on that depth chart. Esk's head coach Jason Moss says Trevor Harris won't play until he can throw pain-free. With two games in six days, Logan Kilgore could be the Eskimo starter for both games. More quarterback uncertainty in the nation's capital, where head coach Rick Campbell says Jonathan Jennings and Dominique Davis are expected to split reps this week versus Edmonton. In Toronto, James Franklin, not McLeod Bethel-Thompson, will start when the Argos take on the Riders. Corey Chamberlain announced the quarterback change this week. Franklin hasn't started since week three. Jordan Williams-Lambert is expected to make his debut for the Riders at receiver. It's not yet known whose place he might take in the lineup. And finally, it appears Matt Schiltz will be the Alouette's starting quarterback. He takes the place of Vernon Adams Jr., who was handed a one-game suspension after swinging a helmet at Adam Big Hill. Waiting for Jordan Williams-Lambert to make his debut this week. Really interesting uh, tidbit there. I feel like we've been talking about him every week, but we haven't seen him play yet. Sounds like he's going to get in the lineup this week, uh, but someone's got to come out. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a Canadian, so it could be could be Naaman Roosevelt. It uh, could be Manny Arsenault. We don't know yet. The three of those guys, uh, they've sort of been moving around a little bit in that offense in practice. We talked about that unbelievable game between Montreal and Winnipeg right off the hop. Uh, One player who also dominated in that game didn't find the end zone at all because Chris Strebler stole all of his goal line touches, but Andrew Harris had a really strong performance. There was some trash talk going in. Some of those Montreal Alouettes guys throwing a little bit of fuel on that fire. It's going to be fun when these uh, these two teams play again this season. Uh, but, But Andrew Harris getting it done on the ground, showing why he's the rushing leader. And you know what, guys? The the voters, they might not give Andrew Harris that MOP this year, but he can still help your fantasy team a lot. Do you like him down the stretch, and do you like the matchup with the Ticats in Week 16? Well, I don't love the matchup, but Andrew Harris is one of the few guys that you can be confident playing regardless of the matchup. Like he's one of the few guys that you, if you're, if you are comfortable paying that type of money on your salary cap for a running back, then you're putting them in regardless. And so, yeah, I, I still think as, as much as there's, 
plenty of controversy surrounding Andrew Harris uh, in in the real world. In our fantasy world, he's still one of the top players going, and he's going to be one of the top players from now until the end of the regular season. So you can still very confidently put Andrew Harris in. This is not what you would call the most favorable matchup, but it's also not a horrible matchup. I, I think Harris can have himself a typical Andrew Harris day, and, and I think that he's going to have a lot of those between now and the end of the season. So he still remains one of your top fantasy plays, and you know he's he's a motivated guy. He uh, he he wants to prove that all the stuff that has been alleged to him isn't true. And I guess the best way you can do that is by making some noise on the field. So uh, yeah, he he might not get the MOP from the voters, but he still is one of the most valuable players in our fantasy game. Yeah, I think he's worth every dollar that he costs. Although the last time I said that, the last time I called him a must start, he got seven points. But doesn't happen Let's often. Let's not talk about that. Doesn't He's, happen often. No, that was once. He had a 13-point week once, and from there on, it's been, what, 18-plus, normally around the 20 to 25-point range. So you can be pretty confident that you're going to get what you're paying for. Uh, it just means that you need to make some cutbacks in other areas. You better be taking one of those sub 6,000 quarterbacks or you better be playing a bunch of money picks in your receiver slots because those kind of picks aren't really available at running back and if you're paying 10,000 for one you're not taking another pricey running back uh it's all about the sacrifices that you want to make he's not in my lineup this week but I have no problem playing him on any given week even at his salary What's unbelievable to me about Andrew Harris is that he's averaging a 6.4 yards per carry, which that's the best of his career. He has never been this dominant of a runner when you're talking about uh, in the ground game, uh, pure rushing ability. Yet he has three touchdowns, which is quite a bit under uh, what we're used to seeing from him. And I know that the Chris Strebler uh, factor... I'm sure that's played a role. Strevler taking a lot of those goal line carries. Anything inside five yards, uh, you know that it's going to Strevler because he's carrying that pile. But I still think there's going to be uh, a little bit of regression to the mean uh, in a positive way in that Andrew Harris, he's not going to finish the year with three touchdowns. And, and especially when he's running the ball the way he is, he's going to break off some long runs and he's going to have a chance to turn some of those into touchdowns. Uh, the Ticats, their run defense has improved quite a bit. and We targeted them a lot uh, earlier in the season. Uh, they were allowing a lot of yards on the ground lately. Teams have had trouble. C.J. Gable didn't get much done against them last week. Um, those big guys inside, Dylan Wynn, uh, Ted Laurent, they're a force. Uh, I don't think the Ticats are a defense to target anymore, but I- I'm with you guys. I think any given week, Andrew Harris is a force at running back. As far as the Bombers' defense up against Hamilton this week, we've kind of called them a bit of a beast at defense, although we put the asterisks on it that they're more of a beast when it comes to run defense. So was your opinion really swayed at all as they give up their second 20-plus point comeback of the year, or is this kind of what we thought they were? I mean, it's an 18-game season. This is still a really good defense, and you know, give Vernon Adams a ton of credit and, and give that Montreal offense a ton of credit. They just kept on coming, but... I one game where yes, it's the biggest comeback in Alouette's history, and and it was incredible, and it's a kick in the gut to Mike O'Shea and the Bombers. I'm not gonna 
sit here and throw them out and say, no, these guys aren't the defense we thought we, they were. I mean, we're now talking three quarters of the way through the season. Statistically, the Bombers are one of the top two, three defenses in the league. You still can't run on them. So I, I still think this is a team that is, especially when it comes to the run game, you still don't want to face them. I don't, think, I don't think you're as scared to be starting receivers and quarterbacks against the Bombers because we've seen that you know, Vernon Adams did it to them over the weekend. We've seen that this is a team that can be a little bit more susceptible through the air, but you still don't run the ball on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, yeah, I still think they're uh, a top defense in the CFL, and, and I don't think that one game is going to drastically change my opinion of how I look at them. It changes my opinion a little bit, because throughout this year, the way that the Bombers at times have shut teams down, and, and Willie Jefferson's a force, and they stopped the run, and that's affected the way that I've chosen players on my roster. I've tried at times to stay away from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers opposition in fantasy. Right now, uh, I'm not that scared because it's it shown me, uh, I'm not saying they're a bad defense. Uh, they're even an above average defense, but they're beatable. Uh, two times in one season, giving up 20 plus point comeback. I mean, a, a, an elite defense, it doesn't matter what the offense is doing. Throw that aside. Yes, Chris Strebler struggled. Yes, the offense struggled. It doesn't matter. Because an elite defense can take a 20-point lead at any point in the game and shut it down. That's the, that's the way it works in the CFL, uh, in, in any football league, because uh, that's what good defenses do. Good defenses don't give up leads like that. And as good as the Bombers are on the ground, I think they've shown they're a little susceptible uh, to the pass. And, and opposing quarterbacks, they get hot, and they can beat the Bombers. So to me, that tells me, hey, I'm a little bit interested in some of these Ticats weapons this week. Uh, whether it's Dane Evans or, or Braylon Addison or Brandon Banks, because uh, especially knowing they have to they have to air it out and they have to stay away from that ground game, uh, yeah, to me, it's really intriguing. I, all I'm saying is this isn't one of those defenses where I say, wow, I'm not starting anybody against them because we have had those defenses over the last few years. This isn't it. I'm not starting running backs against them because it just doesn't make any sense. But it's exactly what I said. I mean, Dane Evans is in my starting lineup right now because Winnipeg can be had in the passing game. So, yeah, I, I think that you're, you're still not – I mean, look, it doesn't make any sense – to start a running back against a defense that doesn't allow teams to run more than 70 yards on them. Like, it's just you're not playing the odds very well if you do that. But they're also fourth worst in the CFL against the pass. So you can you can be a whole lot more confident starting if you're a Brandon Banks guy or a person. Like, if you like to, to have Banks in your lineup and, and you're okay spending that type of money, then don't be shy against the Bombers. The same is true about Addison. The same is true about Evans. So I think, I think you have to look at it a little more situational but I'm with you. I, I'm uh, absolutely looking at Ticats weapons through the air this week, and they don't really have one running back to, to focus in on anyway, so it kind of becomes a moot point in that regard. <laughs> and the Alouettes didn't even try to run. I mean, William Stanback had five carries in that game. They didn't even try. They're like, we're not going to bother. Would you? Why would you? <laughs> yes, if you needed any other reason to not start a Ticats running back, the, uh, the timeshare back there or the complete mystery of who's getting the bulk of the touches must be enough for you to say no Ticats running backs for me but looking past this game is that something you're avoiding for the rest of this season at this point yeah they're not like it's it's scary right now because I mean what they're they're using three guys in a timeshare back there Jackson Bennett's back there Braylon Addison's gotten touches so yeah it's 
it's a little scary. It's it's not it's not one that I'm focusing in on unless unless you really need to fill a roster spot at you know between twenty five and thirty five hundred dollars. The Ticats run game is not one that I'd be targeting. That's for sure. Tommy Condell is keeping opponents off balance and. He's keeping fantasy players off balance, too, including myself, because I think three or four times I've taken Ticats running backs this year, uh, and it's burned me almost every time. Uh, outside of Sean Thomas Erlington, early in the season, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no telling. Even when it was Cameron Marshall, you thought, oh, here we go, they've, they've changed the ratio, they're going with an American, he's going to get a lot of touches, and it just didn't work out that way. So uh, for me, unless uh, unless Sean Thomas Erlington returns at some point in the season and they want to feature him, uh, I'm looking towards the other eight teams in the CFL for the running back position. All right, let's move to game two of the week, the first of a triple header on Saturday. Let's start with Logan Kilgore. Had a pretty decent fantasy total at the end of it all. Disastrous first half. But uh, bounced back nicely in the second. A couple of touchdown passes, a QB sneak. Do you like him against Ottawa? This certainly seems like an easier matchup. And he still put up 18 points at only $5,000. Much easier matchup. And I really, like, I liked a lot of what I saw from him in the second half. As Edmonton turned a game that looked like it was dead and gone and already decided and turned it into a game that was decided on a last second field goal so I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Kilgore Jeff and and I know that I don't know if you had him in your lineup when it was all said and done but I know that you were fiddling with the decision to do it I almost put him in I decided against it when it was all said and done like it's either him or Dane Evans for me this week and and I'm I'm really liking the matchup against Ottawa uh, I think that certainly plays into uh, the strengths of Edmonton's passing game and some of those receivers going up against the susceptible D on the other side. Yeah, Kilgore is a really intriguing option, especially with what we saw in the third and fourth quarters over the weekend. I, I did. I had him in my lineup, and I was getting a little bit nervous there because he was in the red. He was in the minus up until a late touchdown in the first <laughs> half, and I'm going, oh, no, what have I done? And I also knew I, I – knew I had eyes on Chris Trevler. I wanted him, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to go contrarian here. I'm going to go with Logan Kilgore. Not many other people have him. And eh, ended up with around 18 points. I I couldn't complain. Uh, He's among a few cheap quarterbacks that are on my radar this week. Dane Evans, uh, as Pat mentioned, is a good one in my eyes. I'm also interested uh, in Matt Schultz getting the start for the Alouettes with the weapons around him. Uh, and James Franklin's another one uh, getting the start for the Argos. All of these quarterbacks in that sort of five to seven thousand dollar range. So uh, you don't have to break the bank, and, and you can load up uh, on some big name players elsewhere uh, in your lineup. A running back, Gables had back to back one hundred yard games just once at the very open of the season. He's been pretty quiet. Only got over that hundred yard mark once in his last ten games. And that was against Ottawa, so I'm not sure how much you can read into that. Is Gable on your radar at all? Because I don't think I've taken him once this year, and I haven't even really been looking that direction. I know, Pat, that you've been big on Gable. You've used him a few times this year, uh, and he's been a not little recently, bit... Not recently, though. Not yeah. recently. Yeah. he's he's. I don't know what it is. He, he's been a bit disappointing this season, uh, and from a production standpoint. The, the average hasn't been bad for C.J. Gable, but... 
it just seems like the Asks haven't been able to get him involved uh, the way it seemed like they were going too early in the season. I remember he had those back-to-back 100-yard games, as Hannah mentioned, to open the air, and we thought, okay, here we go. Here comes a really big season from C.J. Gable with Trevor Harris as his quarterback. They're going to feature the running back. They're going to throw to him a lot. Um, I think this is a game for the Eskimos to get Gable reset a little bit. Feed him the ball a lot. Uh, game script should favor the Eskimos if they can beat this Red Blacks team, which the way Ottawa's played lately, uh, I-, I can see Gable getting a lot of those late-game carries. And yeah, the only other game that he had 100 yards was against Ottawa, uh, which he did uh, last month. So he's expensive still. He's a, he's an RB1. He comes with an RB1 price tag, but this is the week I think he's going to give you RB1 production to go with it. I like I, I don't disagree on the game script front, and and for I'm a big fan of C.J. Gable. I think this guy is is still capable of being a top top running back in the CFL. The problem is, it just hasn't been there because I, I was with like this guy looked like he was going to have a big time bounce back comeback season with the first two weeks, and Edmonton looked like they were going to be a powerhouse for the first quarter of the season. But things overall, scheme wise in Edmonton, game plan wise, have have taken a really interesting turn in recent weeks, and I, I just I have a hard time knowing exactly what to expect from them on a week-to-week basis. The one thing I do know is that whether they're in close games or whether they're in blowouts, they still throw the ball a lot. And so I'm far more comfortable going with Edmonton's receiving threats or even their quarterbacks than I am going with with Gable. And again, this is coming from a big-time Gable supporter, but yeah, I mean, he's gone over 100 yards once since week three. We're getting set for week 16. That's a little scary. If he was, like if we're talking about Gable at a five to six thousand dollar price tag. This is a different conversation because we play PPR and he's still giving you decent receiving touches, so he can be a good value buy at, at fifty five hundred dollars. But at eighty five hundred dollars, it's a different story. I just don't think you're getting the same type of return. So buyer beware on CJ Gable would be what I would say. Some changes coming in Ottawa. As Rick Campbell says, Jonathan Jennings and Dominique Davis are splitting reps against Edmonton. Knowing the Eskimos have the best defense in the CFL, it's probably worth staying away from that situation. But is there anyone on this Red Blacks roster you're looking to right now? I uh, I like Devontae Dedman. And uh, he, he there's a chance, still 50-50 ball. I'm thinking about him as my money pick this week, but... He's in my lineup right now, uh, electrifying returner and a, a, a potential to be a really good receiver, and they're going to give him the opportunity to do that. Look, here's the thing about the Red Blacks. Their season, they're probably not making the playoffs at this point. They're, they're, their playoff hopes are fading fast, and they're playing uh, some of the worst football we've seen from them. Uh, the, the, a lot of people in Ottawa are comparing it to the expansion year when they won just a couple of games. But the thing about the rest of this season, the final third of the season, is the Red Blacks have a chance to test out some other things and look at some other young players and evaluate and decide who they're going to take onto their roster next year. Well, Devontae Dedman, to me, he's proven he's a really talented player uh, that can take the ball to the end zone on any given play. I think he's a big part of this team's future, and this is his chance to show that. So they're going to get him really involved. And at the price tag where he currently resides, I think it's an opportunity for fantasy players to get a real steal there uh, where there aren't a lot of low uh, salary, below three or $4,000 guys right now. 
I just think it's hard to care about that when they put up 12 points combined in two games against a team who had one win and their highest scoring fantasy guy didn't even make it to 13 points last week. I just don't see any value, especially up up against the best defense in the league. It just seems like you're you're setting yourself up for some failure. And if anyone is going to go with uh, Red Black's quarterback this week, knowing that they are talking about splitting re- reps, you know something that I don't because you know that doesn't seem like yeah. a good play. <laughs> you know something. You know something that we don't know. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe Jonathan Jennings has the game of his life and Dominic Davis doesn't get to take a snap. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well. I'd like to. I'd like to hear from you. You're right. <laughs> this is the point where Jeff is going to want me to play the "Hey, it's Franklin" theme song. Hey, it's we're James there. Franklin. Hey, it's Franklin. He's back. We get to sing it again. I just hear the guitar riff. Pat, care you're to little, join you're in? A little pitchy there. You're a little pitchy there, Jeff. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to quit my day job. I'm happy with where I am in my life right now. Uh, I preferred I, Arthur as a cartoon. <laughs> Ooh, both good shows. You know what? Arthur is better. Though. Arthur was better. I'll uh, I'll give it to Arthur. Uh, I'm okay with that. But uh, the books. And don't get I, me started on the Magic School Bus. Also a great show. Uh, I hope that you mean don't get me started because it's an amazing show because Magic School Bus well, was an amazing great. show. Yes, obviously. Um, still, I still have a crush on the new girl, Phoebe. <laughs> the books, by the way, the Franklin books couldn't be beat. Oh, yeah, they were, they were pretty it's good. It's the books that I read more than, more than watching the show. Uh, it's the third time the charm for James Franklin. It was the topic of discussion on the weekly say on CFL.ca this week. Our writers weighed in uh, with, with some, mixed, some mixed answers, some mixed reviews. He's back as the Argo starter for the third time, and he's really cheap, under $6,000. There was a time when some of us were paying upwards of $8,000 for his services. Uh, Just when you thought maybe all is lost with this guy, once one of the top quarterback prospects in the CFL, he had a really good outing against the Stamps. 12 of 16, 147 yards, percentage is good, average is good, a touchdown. No picks, some really nice throws, and almost drove the Argos back from a pretty big deficit. Is this just a tease, or are we a little bit intrigued here by a quarterback that once had a ton of hype? Jeff is convinced that I don't like James Franklin. Convinced. But I actually, which is crazy, because I I wrote an article uh, on the website within the last three weeks about how I think he's got a good chance at uh, reclaiming his career, whether it be in Toronto or somewhere else. Because I I do, I still think this guy has got an extremely high amount of upside. His physical gifts and his physical tools are immense, and he just never has really put it all together together when an opportunity has been there for him to start. So here's another opportunity for him, and I'm curious to see what he does with it. Now, the problem is, I mean, this is still an Argos team that has got their issues, but if Franklin can lock in on Darrell Walker, if he can use an elite weapon like that the way an elite weapon should be used, if he can spread the ball out and use S.J. Green on second and long and, and, and use Armonte Edwards in some, uh, in some field-stretching situations, like, yeah, I think, this guy, I think this guy has got the ability to still be a viable quarterback. So I'm really interested to see what he can do as, I don't know, and, and maybe I'm off base, but I feel like, you know, we thought that 
Jonathan Jennings might be in last chance saloon territory when it comes to his starting career in this league. I don't think Franklin is quite there, but I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get in this league to truly be that guy. So here's another opportunity to maybe put himself back on the radar as Toronto's starting quarterback for 2020. The strange thing about the James Franklin narrative is that He's only started eight games since being traded to the Argos. It's not like we're dealing with a really large sample size. That's not even half a season. And it's not like he performed miserably in those starts. Ten touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Yeah, the picks are there. Um, He struggled to hit that magic 300-yard passing mark that we look for in a quarterback. Uh, James Franklin hasn't blown the doors off. There's no doubt about that. But coming into this year where he was learning a new offense, then he gets injured in just his second start. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, we saw as he played and got a little more comfortable with Jock Chaplin's offense, he got a lot better. Now I think we're going to see that a little bit from James Franklin. Here's what I want to see from Franklin the Turtle, from Frank the Tank this week, as, as others call him. Uh, also a great nickname, Frank the Tank. I want to see him play with like he's got nothing to lose. Throw deep. Go over the top to Darrell Walker. He did that against the Stamps because he was down in a game and he literally had nothing to lose. I think he played without pressure. I think he played without consequence. And that's the same James Franklin we saw in Edmonton when he was becoming a top prospect behind Mike Riley. He wasn't under pressure. He wasn't getting rattled. And to me, that's what we need to see against the Riders. Don't play scared. Don't be worried about what can go wrong. Just play free. Just sling that football. Go out there and play catch with Darrell Walker and S.J. Green because the weapons are there and James Franklin has the talent to get it done. So that's that's my rant about James Franklin this week. You going to call him up and give him his pregame speech? Just tell him to go have fun. I hope he's listening. <laughs> I hope he's listening, you know? And it's a tough matchup against the Riders, don't get me wrong, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. In fact, I think he's I think that's he's going to rise to the occasion. I think that's going to bring the best out of him. And he knows what's on the line. Pat said this isn't his last chance. We're not quite at that at that point yet, but if James Franklin wants to be a starting quarterback in 2020, he needs to be lights out the rest of the season. Jeff, you sounded like a you sounded like his sports psychologist right there. Like I was seriously. Really, like, you motivated me. Like just go out and be free, and, and even even your voice. It was like it was like he was sitting on the couch right in front of you. Like just go out and sling that football, man. Just go out and be free. So I, I you've got a uh, you've got a second career if this whole website manager thing doesn't work out. I know you're much more than that, but uh, if if this whole running the Canadian Football League's digital department thing doesn't work out for you. I'm flattered. I'm turning around. Pat, that, this is, these are the nicest things you've ever said about me. I don't know what's going on right now. Look, but. And, I, and I went from I went from website manager to <laughs> running the entire digital department. Well, it's all right. I can Big wear... promotion I, I can, 22 seconds. Uh, right? I, I appreciate it. I, I can wear a lot of hats. I, I, but, man, those compliments from Pat Steinberg are tough to come by. Hannah, too. You know, I just... Pat used to write about me once in a while in the, in the MMQB. Hasn't happened for a while now. And just... 
I hope I hope Franklin's listening. I hope James is listening and he has a great game because I might I might roll with him this week in the lineup. So hopefully. I hope he was listening too because after that he how can he not have a good game? <laughs> well, then Jeff, this is a question for you. If if you have this much faith, if you think he has nothing to lose and he's going to go out and play like it, a would you put him in the lineup? And B, are you looking at a stack? Because I know you wrote one down. I feel like you like it. He's in my lineup right now, and I mentioned there Ooh. were a few other there were a few other cheap quarterbacks I was eyeing. But having that guy under six K gives you a lot of lineup flexibility, and yes, it allows you to play uh, a receiver like Darrell Walker. Hey, it, you might like that BC matchup this week against the Montreal Alouettes. But if you want to stack Mike Riley with Brian Burnham. That's going to cost you a lot of money. But a Franklin uh, to Walker stack, um, uh, Dane Evans to Braylon Addison stack, uh, that's another one that's affordable. Uh, some of these cheaper How quarterbacks. about a Kilgore stack? That's pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, I know, but Edmonton doesn't have that one guy. They don't have that one receiver where you go, he's he's going to dominate this game. I'm a little more skeptical of those Eskimos receivers because they're they, – they're so good, but which one is going to have the big game? James Franklin, he's always had really good chemistry from Darrell Walker. They go back to their Edmonton days, and Darrell Walker just gets open. He just gets open. He, even when McLeod Bethel-Thompson was in there struggling, uh, they went for it on third and five up near midfield, and, and McLeod just missed him. But Darrell Walker was open, and and uh, I think he's going to be a handful uh, for that rider secondary, and, and I think he's going to get a ton of targets, him and S.J. Green. Uh, James Franklin's going to look to those two guys often. All right. For the Riders fans, the Argos allow 120 yards per game on the ground. William Powell's sitting there at under $8,500, just under $85, $84.35. Is that a must play? Is that an RB1, William Powell, up against this Argos defense? He's uh, he's dialed in on my lineup right now. I just... He, he's already had a really solid game already this season against the Argos, and, and while he didn't come away with a touchdown in that game, I mean, those things can be somewhat random. I think that uh, he'll have his opportunities at six points a couple of times in this game. Uh, they, they used him uh, substantially in both the run and the pass game in their earlier meeting, and he's coming off an outstanding uh, week as well. I, I think William Powell is a really good play. I know that that's an expensive dollar figure for a running back, but this is a weird week for running backs. There's not really, like, Kadeem Carey's done for the year. Um, we, the, the Hamilton running back situation is pretty much a no-fly zone for most people, so there's not a lot of really high-end value running backs out there unless you want to find somebody who you're taking a risk with and, and not getting a lot of offensive touches and maybe trying to get some special teams points. So this is this is a week where you might have to go with uh, a couple of higher-priced running backs, and for me, William Powell of that group is at the top of the list. I think there are a few guys worthy of that RB1 conversation. Andrew Harris is up there. Uh, William Stanback is the bottom for me at around 7,000, who I think gives you good value. And, and I think Gable and, and William Powell are there as well. Uh, if you think the Riders are going to just blast the Argos this weekend, then William Powell is the obvious choice at RB1. The Argos' run defense has not been good this season. Uh, the Riders know how to run the ball, whether it's Fajardo uh, or William Powell. They seem to play off one another. I think I think this is an Argos team that that's playing a little bit, that's playing pretty hard and playing like they've got something to prove. Not like the situation in Ottawa 
uh, where you think, okay, not, not to say anybody's given up, but they're they're really struggling. They're getting blown out in games. That's not happening uh, with this Argos team. It's been resilient. Uh, having Bear Woods in the middle at linebacker, I think, has made a really big difference for that Argos run defense the last couple of weeks. And with Bear Woods and Cleon Lang, you've pretty much got the foundation now of that front seven that had one of the better run defenses in the CFL two years ago under Corey Chamberlain. So I think William Powell's a good play and, and, and a good RB1 option. I don't think he's the obvious must-have choice that some people are making him out to be. Even if they're playing better defensively, they're starting from the basement. So there's there's a lot of work to do, and the Argos do let up a lot of points and a lot of yards. So would anyone else be jumping out at you on the rider side of the ball? Because I know we've had trouble picking between their receivers before. They seem to have a lot of guys. The ball seems to be very spread out between four to five guys, and it's hard to know which one of them is going off at any given time. Anyone stand out? Yes, they all they all kind of do. Like I like all of them. I know you like I like you like one in particular, Jeff. Yes, I, I do. I'm even in, I, I'm I'm eyeing Jordan Williams Lambert a little bit. Uh, and yeah, like I, I it's tough because you don't know which one is going to hit it at any given time. But there's a couple places where you've got that problem. So I know you like one in particular of the three receivers, though. Yeah, I love Shaq Evans, and to me, uh, he's emerged head and shoulders above the rest of the group. He's he's the guy that Cody Fajardo trusts. Uh, especially in clutch situations. I don't see anyone else who's going to push him. Uh, every odd week, you, you have Naaman Roosevelt showing up. Uh, Kyra Moore has done a lot for a while. Uh, I had him as my lock, uh, or one of my top locks anyway, going against Montreal in that previous game. Uh, he didn't do much. He let me down. And, and you add Jordan Williams-Lambert to the mix, you got a lot of guys there uh, to which Cody Fajardo has to spread the ball. To me, Shaq Evans is by far that number one guy. Uh, and in fact, Dale, Derek Taylor uh, crunched some of those numbers this week, and, and he's revealed him as one of the top receivers in the CFL. And, and when you're when you're starting to talk about um, air yards and, and average yards uh, per catch and yards after the catch, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense because he has been incredibly productive with the opportunities he's had this year. So. If I'm looking for one Riders player in this game, even ahead of William Powell, to me it's Shaq Evans. I think he's got a chance to do a ton of damage against the Argos. All right, last game of the triple header. If you feel like watching football for nine straight hours on a Saturday, it's Montreal in BC and a change at quarterback as Vernon Adams Jr. is out with a one-game suspension. Matt Schultz is in. Do we think there's still some offensive success coming in Montreal? Because they just had a massive week with that comeback. They must be feeling good. By the way, by the way, hat tip, tip of the cap to Vernon Adams. Because, yeah, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. He did something bad. But he owned up to it. Uh, he apologized to Adam Big Hill and uh, not appealing that suspension. you got to give a lot of credit to him. He, he's... Uh, He's a leader. He's a, he's uh, he seems like he's got a level head, and he's got these alouettes going in the right direction. You know what? Here's what I'll say about Vernon Adams. He he's gonna take the suspension. I think it's a good call for him not to do the appeal and go down that road. It's a distraction. The Alouettes don't need the Owls are going to the playoffs. They don't need a distraction. They don't need uh, a couple of games here and there wondering if Adams is gonna play or not. Take the suspension now. Let Schiltz go in. See if you can beat the uh, the BC Lions over the weekend. And and yeah, this is this is a good choice. And and right now, if and I I wrote this. 
uh, on Monday on, on CFL.ca. Like right now, I think Vernon Adams is, is my front runner for East Division MOP. In fact, he might be my front runner for most outstanding player, period, right now. The way that he's played and the way that He's been the catalyst to a pretty incredible Montreal turnaround. So this is the right call. Take the one-game suspension and then be able to come back and have no distractions as they get set most likely to host the East Division semifinal, most likely against the Edmonton Eskimos. I'm, I'm interested in Schultz. He's had, some, he's had some really nice moments. He's been highly touted for quite some time. Uh, Jeff, you say that you're interested in, in potentially starting him this week, which is interesting to me. I don't know if I would go that far, despite the fact that the matchup is is pretty interesting uh, against the BC Lions, but uh, I I I think this guy has got some this guy's got some potential. I just don't know if it's gonna pop right away. I like the matchup, although BC's defense has been better of late. Of course, two games against Ottawa uh, will always help a defense get back on track. But uh, credit credit to them for for making Ottawa struggle that much. I mean, hey, it's. It still takes work. You're still you're playing you're playing against professionals here, and uh, and they deserve credit for the way that they've played lately. And and I do think that unit uh, is starting to gel under Devon Claybrooks. I like Matt Schiltz. A lot of people in Montreal have been saying good things about him for a long time. He's climbed that depth chart. He earned the number two job, uh, overtaking Antonio Pipkin, who was the starter going into the season let's not forget uh he's got a good arm uh seems to have a pretty good sense of the pocket and uh, with the weapons that are in montreal that matt schiltz has around him uh, there's so many good receivers in montreal uh, i don't think it's a big risk to take especially at that five thousand dollar price tag I, I think he's good for 15 or more points um with a ceiling of, of potentially more yeah you would you certainly wouldn't be betting a lot because of the $5,000 price tag. And the other thing that I like is Kahari Jones at the helm. I think if anybody can get him up to speed and ready to start a game, it's him. But I don't think I'm going anywhere near that. I don't think there's going to be many Matt Schultz selections this week. Do you, Jeff? I don't. But I, I don't think it's that big of a... I don't think it's as big of a risk as you're making out to be. I mean, here's the thing. Uh Matt Schiltz isn't just some guy off the street. I mean, he's developing there. He's been the guy that they've been bringing up slowly for three years now, and that's that's a proven path to success for quarterbacks in this league. And you hit the nail on the head with Kahari Jones. He's had a really good uh, coach and offensive coordinator to learn from. He's had patience, hasn't been thrown uh, into the fire. Uh, even last year when that team was really struggling. He had a sort of a front row seat for that whole Johnny Menzel era, um, but he didn't have to play. He was able to watch and learn. So to me, uh, that, that's a sign of a breakout coming, and I think Matt Schiltz is going to make uh, really take advantage of this opportunity and prove that he's one of the more intriguing, young, up-and-coming prospects in this league because he's got all the tools to be successful. And on the other side, Mike Riley looking... A little bit like the old Mike Riley in the last three weeks. Three sacks, 10.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, three interceptions. Is that enough for you to say he's back or just showing signs of life at this point? Let's not forget, and this is not to take any credit away from Riley, who I think uh, has has really started to uh, turn the corner. In fact, that entire offense has started to turn the corner. But you do have to take into account that the last two games were against uh, an Ottawa team that's struggling right now. So for me, that that factors into the equation. But in fairness, 
I've also seen some real signs of improvement overall from this BC offense over the last month or so, last four or five games. So, yes, the the Ottawa stuff is front of mind, and I do take that into consideration, but I also think there's a lot of positives going on with this group. I think that the, the switch from... Brian Chu to Kelly Bates. I didn't give it a lot of credit when the move was made. Well, maybe I should have given it more credit because the guy has barely been touched uh, after he was getting sacked about four or five times a game prior. Uh, he's been getting sacked once per game since. Like that's, that's a pretty significant and dramatic change. So, yeah, I think this BC offense is a whole lot more viable. I think Montreal can still be susceptible to some high-scoring games. I'm not saying they've got a bad defense, but they can find themselves in games where the score gets, it just turns into more of a shootout-type game, and I can see that happening here again. So I think there's some uh, there's some interesting players to keep an eye on on the Montreal side of things, and, and I also think that BC has got some, uh, some weapons that you can absolutely lock in on this week, and they had some big-time performances in that 40-plus point effort against the, the Red Blacks in Week 15. 548 net yards for the BC Lions in that game against Ottawa. And I know that people like Ooh. to knock. They like to say, yeah, it's the Reds, just the Red Blacks. But eh, that doesn't happen by mistake. And you know what? It gives it gives the BC Lions a lot of confidence. Maybe it gives them a little bit of that swagger back because Mike Riley, he's used to being the most productive quarterback in the CFL over the last several years. Uh, he's won an MOP. He's won a great cup. And he was supposed to come into the Dome in BC and get back to that MOP level and carry the BC Lions. So I don't know if he gets to that level again this year, but I think having that swagger, having that confidence now, knowing that they're coming into a game clicking, I think that's really big for that football team. And I love Brian Burnham this week. Uh, That Mike Riley, Brian Burnham combo, that's going to do a lot of damage. And I like John White too. And And the Alouette's defense has been susceptible. Yeah, I can see another 400-plus yard uh, net yard performance from the BC Lions this week. I won't say 500. That's crazy. But uh, 400, I could go with. All right, we made it to our three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. This is where we make our money picks and our locks of the week. As per usual, let's start with money picks. And Jeff, let's start with you. Money pick is a player $3,500 or less if you're running out of cash and you still have a a roster slot to fill. So who's your money pick this week? I got two money picks this week, but only only one I'll tell you about. I already told you about Devontae Dedman. He's in my lineup. Christian Jones is my actual money pick this week, also in my lineup. You know how you know how I'm structuring my cap. I'm going with two cheaper players. Uh, well, three if you include the quarterback, and I'm loading up everywhere else. Christian Jones at running back really allows you to do that. I, I took a gamble uh, with Jackson Bennett last week. It burned me, but Christian Jones, uh, he's been good. And 10-plus points last week in a return role, uh, had a couple of catches. Look for him to have a little bit of involvement on the offense, but... Man, he's playing the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's going to get a lot of returns on punts, a lot of opportunities, and he could give you 10 points on on kick and punt returns alone. So uh, with the value like that at running back, it's unrivaled. Christian Jones is my money pick from the Edmonton Eskimos. 
Hannah, I really hope that I'm not taking yours. I don't think I am. I made an executive <laughs> call midway through the podcast. Uh, I'm going to go, and, and I really like this this matchup between Hamilton and Winnipeg. Uh, I'm going to go with rookie Marcus Tucker. I, I think that there is a potential for this to be a very pass-heavy game for both Hamilton and Winnipeg. And I, while he's not going to be a primary option, obviously Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison are going to be the primary targets for Dane Evans. I, I think Marcus Tucker can get a couple of touches. He went over 50 yards last week and picked up his second career touchdown. So uh, I, I think there's some real options there for him. And and at less than $3,000, I think you might be able to get some good value for him if you're trying to go the same strategy Jeff was just talking about. Pat, I feel like you did that on purpose because he was my money pick, but when Hannah she even said it before the podcast. Like, Marcus Tucker's... I know, I, think... I forgot to write it down, so I will do a new one. <laughs> Hannah's but I got do one. have another money pick level guy currently drum in my roll. lineup. So drum I roll, well I can't deal out. with the anticipation. Give me a drum roll, let's go. Tavon Smith. Yeah. 3,300 I like the whole pick on Ottawa angle. He's in my flex spot. I had a couple thousand dollars left to go. I'm going to take a flyer on him. So I think he's worth a look, Tavon Smith. Uh, but again, Marcus Tucker, also a guy I'm looking at. Let's talk lock of the week. And I'm pretty sure I've already stated what my lock is. So hopefully neither of you take that one. Why don't you go first then so you can potentially steal mine? Hmm. Okay. I will go first. I'm going to go with William Powell. I like playing the matchups this week. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Payback. That is payback. Yeah, I'm stealing William Powell. $8,500. <laughs> I just think that a running back that talented up against the worst run defense in the league is a no-brainer. And $8,500 doesn't really break the bank when you're looking at nine, ten thousand dollars uh RB1. So William Powell's my lock of the week, and Pat, you can't take it. Jeff, who do you have? That's uh, that's very good. Good for you. (laughs) I'm going with, and apologies to Brandon Banks, I am going with the best receiver in the CFL as my lock of the week. No, it's not Reggie Bagleton. It's not Brandon Banks. Some people say it's Shaq Evans. I don't think it's Shaq Evans. I think it's Darrell Walker. He's fifth in the league in receiving yards right now, but make no mistake, Darrell Walker, the most talented receiver, if not player, in the CFL, and he's back with his guy, James Franklin. He is going to put up numbers this week against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They're going to play press coverage. They're going to play him one-on-one. They're going to put him in man, and Darrell Walker, strong arm of James Franklin, he's going to beat it. Darrell Walker, by the way, uh, last three games, 35 targets. Hasn't had below 10 targets in a game now for the last three weeks. Uh, that wasn't happening early in the season. We were seeing a lot of threes and fours and fives there. Last three weeks, it's 15, 10, and 10. I'm expecting another double-digit target week for Darrell Walker, and he's going to step up big time for the Argos. I uh, I feel less bad about stealing Hannah's uh, money pick because uh, now we're even. So that's uh, yep. what goes around comes around. So uh, I uh, I do have a good backup for you because I was also going William Powell. But I think Dane Evans is a really nice play in Week 16. He's got a tough matchup against Winnipeg. There's a marquee matchup between the top two teams in the division, uh, in the East and the West division. But I think this can be a game where we see yards in the air. And I think Dane Evans 
Evans is starting to come into his own. He's under $7,000 as a quarterback. He opens up options for you elsewhere. So I'll go Dane Evans as my lock of the week. He was in my lineup anyway, and I like the play quite a bit. So there you go. Unapologetic, both of you. Stealing, stealing locks. Stealing money picks, very unprofessional. Can't we, we all just? It out. Can't we all just get along? Well, Jeff, do you have some final words before I say <laughs> goodbye? For uh, yeah, just wanted to let everyone know if uh, if anybody needs a good motivational pep talk this week, I'm here for you because apparently that's uh, that's the mood I'm in right now. I, I I will make you run through a wall. Yeah, he's. Uh, you can contact him on Twitter at Jeff Creever. His DMs are open, uh, so please contact Jeff Creever if you need uh, any help. I don't believe Hannah's DMs are open. She's at HL Nordman. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on the Week 16 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Head on over to CFL.ca. Check out projections, rankings, all your fantasy tools uh, from Daily Roto, and also listen to the waggle from Davis Sanchez and. Donovan Bennett. They're getting you ready for week 16. And don't forget to subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can find us on cfl.ca. Thank you to our friends at Leo Vegas. They present the CFL Fantasy Podcast each and every week. Enjoy playing. Enjoy the triple header on Saturday, by the way. And uh, good luck. We'll talk to you on the week 17 edition in about one week's time. For Hannah, for Jeff, I'm Pat. That's another edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast.